Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. show we are joined by Vanessa Wallace and she's a wife mother of three children and even got two grandchildren and she's the founder and owner of Crystal Clear Coaching so hello to Vanessa. Hi Shelley thank you so much for inviting me. Oh you're most welcome so we've connected through Zenat Nurani and she was my guest on episode five and she went from skater to positive creator so here we are but I don't know much about you but I know you do wonderful work now, but please do tell us your backstory and your positive change. Okay, gosh, it's, it's, it's quite a story, really, and um, had a little bit of a, a shock factor. And sometimes people look at me, especially sort of in networking groups, and look at me and go, oh, really? Um, because, you know, I don't look the part as to what I used to be. Um, you know, I got myself, uh, I mean, you know, I was a normal kid, you know, when I went to boarding school and I um, went to, uh, university after that um, but during that period I started smoking a bit of pot and drinking a bit of alcohol maybe something that a lot of kids do at that age um, you know and eventually that progressed for me and it got quite bad and I, I ended up as a heroin addict by the time I was in my early 20s I was quite a heavy heroin addict and quite dependent on heroin and um, it went on for many, many years. And I tried all different ways and means to, to stop using. Um, and really all of that was just rooted in quite a, a low self-esteem. And it was a way of me just hiding from the world, from who I was, from people. Um, because if I was just out of my head all the time, I didn't have to engage with life. But obviously what happened is the more that I did that, the worse I felt about myself yeah. and there was always this underlying knowledge for me that I I could do something better or there was another path for me but I just couldn't, yeah. couldn't quite reach it for so many years and it was just such a struggle I think a lot of the problem for me was I never told anybody so I kept all of this a secret to myself and you know I just tried to cope and tried to get through um you know, my husband at the time, he was also a heroin addict. So, we, we, you know, we were together doing this together and we hid from the world. And, you know, it took a point where it just got really, really bad for me, um, yeah. for me to actually ask for some help. And it was actually on the back of quite a bad car accident that I had. And funnily enough, the night before I had this car accident, I had almost, you know, sometimes when you can have those, it was almost like a prayer or a, a wish and it was you know, I can't do this anymore and just feeling really really hopeless and you know I've been feeling quite hopeless but this night was particularly prominent and then the next day I went out in the car you know do, I was working as a chambermaid in a hotel and a drink driver came straight across onto my side of the road and went straight head on into me and I was admitted to hospital with some quite serious injuries and because I was addicted um Obviously, they gave me the pain relief in the hospital, but yeah. it wasn't enough. So I had to say to somebody, I've actually got a heroin addiction. Um, wow. Because morphine is the same as heroin, which is what they were giving me. And um, 
so they then connected me with some services and you know I it took quite a while from that point for me to actually come off it but I went on to a methadone program and I started to see an acupuncturist funnily enough and she was really, wow. really great and she helped me just to feel less stressed because I was so stressed all the time and, and this is why I believe in a lot of this stuff as well because that was the first step for me was seeing her um, yeah. and then two years after that after quite a few other changes that I needed to make in my life um, I had to split with my uh, with my partner at the time and I came to London and I went into a treatment centre which I actually spent a year in treatment for addictions so I was very lucky that I was able to do that because I, I don't think for a lot of people that's available these days I mean we're talking 20 years ago now um, but you know I, I know there are places where you can spend like a year to 18 months in treatment but I needed that time to yeah. rediscover myself to learn about myself again and to understand who I was um, to claim back my own identity because I, I had no idea who I was what I wanted from life you know it had all just been shut down with this numbness which I'd had you yeah. know for like probably 10 years in total so um, that was quite a journey and I came out of there and um, I, I worked um, I did a bit of volunteering for a while but all the time I was just getting better and better and eventually I went back to university in 2005 and studied to be a cognitive behavior therapist and the reason I chose that was because I just knew that it was about my thinking that was causing me a yeah. lot of problems so you know how I thought about myself how I brought about situations um, how so controlling I was how it was so difficult for me to accept things as they were my life as it was other people as they were and so I I learned this particular type of uh, cognitive behavior therapy called rational emotive behavior therapy. And um, if you've ever heard of the serenity prayer, um, yes. it, it's based in, in that, which is accept the things you cannot change. Yeah. Change the things you can, but have the wisdom to know the difference. And that's what I had to learn, um, you know, to accept my life as it was, to have some compassion with myself for that and why I'd ended up being like that, um, to accept myself, you know, as I was and to also accept that I couldn't be this perfect person that I always felt I had to be. And yeah. I don't quite know why I felt like that in my life, but, you know, I think there was various kinds of things because academically I was quite bright and, um, you know, I think I had this idea that I'd, you know, end up somewhere completely different to where, where I did. And my whole world kind of fell apart. Um, you know, in my late teens, I started doing not so well at school. And I think that really knocked me. And I, I see that yeah. a lot with young people, you know, where they maybe are doing well at school and then something happens and they fall back and how much that knocks their self-esteem. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and did you go on? So did you have an event like that? The, was there an event that triggered it? Or was it because your husband was an addict? Was there an actual one day that happened that triggered the start of the addiction? No, I would say it really just started with having a bit of fun at boarding school. 
Okay. And, you know, just smoking dope down in the, in the gardens, having a drink at school. You know, we used to, you know, we, we were there until we were 15. And, you know, we used to smuggle in drink into the dormitories. And it just progressed from there. I think I was almost destined to have that route. There wasn't anything tragic that happened to me. I mean, boarding school wasn't great, I must admit. But, you know, there's no life event. I come from a good family. Um, you know, there was nothing significant. It was just my need to avoid life. You know, it's, yeah. it felt like an easier option to me, but obviously it wasn't in the long run. So how many years were you an addict for? So I would say it really kicked off when I was about 17, 18, and I came into recovery when I was 33. So we're talking 15 years. So it's quite some time, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so your children, you had the children whilst you're an addict. Absolutely. Yes. Something yeah. that I'm not proud of but I love my children to bits and they are amazing. They are absolutely amazing. But, but I, yeah, but I believe things happen for a reason, like yeah. the lesson, cause you felt you was always kind of destined for that. And always like the prayer before the accident, yeah. it's almost like something that's predestined and it is, you know, to bring you where you are today. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it was, it was a difficult time for them. It was a difficult time for all of us. Um, and, you know, there's been a journey since, since I've come into recovery, the three children, because they were eight, nine and 11 when I came into recovery. So, yeah. you know, the, suddenly they had this mum who was very different and I was trying to be a better person and be there for them and have boundaries at home. Um, because there was not many, there weren't many boundaries at all, really, um, for the kids. And um, so when that all started, it, it, was, it was difficult and we all had to learn through that. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not only proud of myself, but I'm also proud of my kids because they've come from a really difficult background, you know, living with two addicts, being brought up in that situation. And, you know, they've, they've come out of it and they've been successful and, you know, they've done what they've needed to do. And they have had their problems, understandably, um, but you know, we, we, as a family, we're very close now. Unfortunately, their father passed away, uh, three years ago. He didn't get clean. Uh, Never. No. And eventually, you know, the addiction just took him at the age of 52. He passed away, which is wow. sad. It's really sad. Yeah. It's, it's a strange cause you grieve, don't you? And you probably have those like what ifs and things like that. Mm. Yeah. 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 Because I suppose they only saw their dad as an addict, whereas they've seen you sort of transform, haven't they? But with their dad, he was just always that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was just he, you know, it, it just didn't happen for him. And I feel very lucky and blessed that I got out because it could, yeah. could have been a very different story. And, you know, I know how gripping addiction can be. And I suppose that's, Shelley, why I do the work that I do today, because I, I feel it's so important for people to understand what they need to 
to get out of addictions or to get well with your mental health, you know, to deal with trauma. There's a, you know, there's certain things that we need and there's three key things that I particularly work with and it's self-compassion, self-acceptance and loving connection. So it's having that compassion for yourself, um, having acceptance of yourself and learning how to do that, but also having connection with other people who understand you and people who you can be vulnerable with because we hide so we tend to hide so much about ourselves uh, which often isn't helpful for us because everything that we yeah. hide and keep inside ourselves just manifests and and builds and um, I talk about the committees sometimes that we have in our own heads and it's so important to have people and support you know like a lot of people will have a good friend that they can talk to yeah you know if it's that that's great but if not it's finding people who understand you and understand where you're coming from and and can give you the support that you need yeah i think friends are important don't get me wrong but i think sometimes we need people who don't know us as a starting block because mm. i think that helps us with our self-acceptance yeah so friends absolutely but i think if you get the chance to work with others outside mm. it's really valuable yeah yeah, absolutely. So your positive change was obviously you came out of addiction following the car accident. And it wasn't a sudden positive change. It was like a work in progress. Mm. But now you help people with their positive changes. Yes, absolutely. So it's the cognitive behavior therapy was your degree. Is that purely what you do? Because I know you do retreats and everything, don't you? So No, it's, it's very much built from that. I started with that training in 2005 and... On the end of that training, I, I secured myself some work in a prison and I worked uh, with groups in prisons on a treatment program for addiction. So I learned diff lots of different models when I was there, you know, specifically around working with groups, but also around working with addictions and lots of different techniques. And, you know, I went on to train as a supervisor, so I learned about different therapy techniques as well. So I... I've built my own model, really, which is, is based in cognitive behavior therapy. I mean, that's what I really am. I'm, I'm a brain person. I talk about <laughs> talking to our brains all the time and how important it is to have that self-talk and, and all that. But underneath that, I also have a, quite a spiritual aspect. And I think it roots back to my first degree, which was in anthropology. And I, I studied all um, spiritual side of things during that first degree. And it's resurfaced over the last few years. So I integrate that into my retreat. So we do the cognitive work. We do the self-compassion work. We do the self-acceptance work. Then there's a connection with the group, which is so important. And then we do the spiritual side and the mind-body connection. So using yoga and meditation to bring you mindfully into your body. So you become aware of your present state. And, you know, that's so important, especially for a lot of trauma to be connected yeah. to the body and to understand how the body stores trauma, but also to be able to bring ourselves into the moment. Because some people find meditation quite difficult you know, just sitting there and just listening to something yeah. or trying to focus on your breath. So doing the movement, we've done movement therapy as well on the retreats. Um, we, you know, we've done some body work. We do a lot of creative stuff. We, we build vision boards. Uh, you know, it, it's just amazing. And, you know, 
I've had so many clients come through these retreats now and most of them are still in contact with me and still come and attend some of the online workshops that I run because I've been doing quite a lot of those recently with lockdown um, because we're we're in that period at the moment. Um, So, yeah, you know, a lot of people still engage with me. They kind of let me know how they're doing. Um, And, you know, I, I see the transformation. I mean, literally I've had, you know, clients come through the door of that retreat just shaking with anxiety and fear and and just in that place of complete darkness in their lives and okay they've done the retreat they felt good after the retreat but it's the work that we've done afterwards so it's really helped to um really cement that work that they've done on themselves on the intensive on the retreat so i like to work with people after the retreats as well yeah if they need it because some people don't need that some people just need to come away for a few days and and have a rest and de-stress and learn some things about themselves and I have a few clients who come and do that as well yeah so I'm intrigued I know you had your car accident and that was your positive change Mm. and I totally understand like the anxiety when people are stepping in I see that when people come to my death cafe they're quite sort of like don't know what to expect I'm gonna open myself up so how do you find that people find you that makes sense so you had an accident you had that sort of that niggle that you was going to move forward in your Mm. life how do they physically get to you do you know what I mean I mean what makes them get through the door is there something starting to eternalize about moving forward or are they referred to you yes I mean people find me all through all different routes referrals um online um you know through other retreat um, organizations that I um, advertise with some people are looking for, for cognitive behavior therapy so the route that I get a lot of people searching for is anxiety and depression retreats because I think right. you know the, the idea of a retreat is very attractive because it's going away having that space it's away from your yeah. home makes maybe a stressful environment so um, yeah a lot of people kind of come to me through that so that they're at that point in their lives where they're saying, I need to do something, but they don't quite yeah. know what. Yeah. And um, so my job is to A, support them to get through that door because that's such a scary step. But then coming away to a beautiful venue can be, can be a good way to do that. Um, yeah. Or, you know, just setting up a couple of calls with me and, you know, having doing some work with me and starting to understand and bringing down their stress levels it's so important to bring down those stress levels to start off with which is what what I got I'm so grateful for the lady she was called Vanessa actually as well who who gave me that acupuncture and we just used to talk through stuff and I just needed my stress levels to come down so that I was out of that panic so I could actually see a way forward and then it was like then my recovery journey could start because when you're in that crisis place, it's very difficult to hear anything, yeah. any suggestions or, you know, or be responsive to any support. But sometimes it is just about getting yourself through that door and, um, you know, actually then just going, okay, I surrender in a way, or I'm, yeah. I'm going to allow somebody <laughs> to help me. And, you know, one thing I love is I was thinking about the, the name of your, your book and the positive, the self, um, is it the self-change, self? Self-kick book. Self-kick the Positive book. changes, yeah. the self-kick book, yeah. yeah. So you cross and you put the self-kick. Yeah, I needed that kick. And actually my <laughs> car accident was that kick that I got. Yeah. And 
for lots of people there's something there's something breaks whether it's you know i don't know a, a family member turns around and says something or you know something goes terribly wrong or they miss an appointment or a family event or or they find themselves leaving work because they can't cope there's always something that kind of breaks that. yeah yeah and gives you that kick of and i believe that comes you know externally you know that point where you're you need to listen to that and actually say okay i i need to, to, to get some help now or, or do something yeah i think people do even without trauma or addiction i think many of us get to a certain stage in our life where we just think the questioning starts like there's got to be more than this mm. why am i here yeah. where am i going yeah. you know and i i experienced it with motherhood like we have four children then you get to that point thinking who am I? Who was I before the yeah. children? I think we all start a search at some point. Yeah. So those people who are listening today, whether they're just stuck in life or they're addicted or got that niggle that's coming up, what tools could you recommend that they try at home? So the first thing that I would say to anybody is just try and ground yourself. And by that, I mean, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling anxious, um, feeling life is is not going well at the moment just find some ways to just settle yourself so even if it's just going for a walk um or you know just there is a technique you can use where you just look around the room at objects because you, you always need to bring down those stress levels and then maybe look into search for online there's plenty of free workshops, there's information out there, get some information about what you're struggling with. Um, and, you know, see if there's other people out there, maybe join some Facebook groups. And because yeah. I think it has to be a gentle introduction, you know, to, because it's a big step to take. But if you just start yeah. the ball rolling, maybe pick up a self-help book somewhere, you just get curious, get curious about what's happening to you. And also believe that things can change things can get better but you have to put a little bit of action in you can't just sit there and wait for things to change you have to take those steps and even if it's just one little step a day that you take so you go and search something online or you go and join a group an anxiety group on on facebook or maybe you actually pick up the phone and you know people speak to samaritans or you know reach out to another organization or if a friend offers to, to speak to you, you know, if a friend offers and says, if you're struggling, give me a call, do it. You know, don't yeah. feel ashamed to reach out because it's, it's a big step to take, but I absolutely recommend it. And I say it's essential. You have to start reaching out and getting the help that you need. And I think we all need to listen to that because it's, something not very good at really is it that we mm. even if we find the power the courage to ask for help we then don't always accept it yeah. and you know and sometimes we just need a little bit of help we need a little self-kick don't we yeah absolutely and i love what you're saying you're saying like because obviously i'm slightly biased because how i wrote my book but <laughs> <laughs> it is just changing one small thing like if you hate your job you know start looking at an online course or finding information you know yeah. if you've got an addiction is there someone that can help you in your local community? Yeah. Could you get in contact with someone that is, you know, from your past? Can you phone the doctor? Mm. And it is just one small act. And it's, you know, yours obviously wasn't a small act. You had a car crash, but mm. 
you know, one change of event can change your life. Yeah, absolutely. You you don't have to do the whole big thing. Just start small, like make the call, research your local area. Google Vanessa, find her. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I was only talking to a client a couple of days ago and and they said, you know, they were amazed um, because asking for help hasn't been easy for them. And they were amazed once they did ask for help, how many people appeared with different types of help for them. You know. Yeah, you do. It's so true. Which yeah. I think we, as humans, we'd far rather help someone else than ourselves sometimes. Yeah. We like to have a purpose. And if we're yeah. struggling to find our own life purpose, we're quite willingly help someone else, mm. wouldn't we? Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you've made so many positive changes and you're helping people make positive changes. But for those that are listening, can you say in your own words, why is it important to create positive changes? Personally, it's, um, it's important because you are worth so much more and we're all worth the best possible life we can have. And, you know, we can, we can fall short. We can call ourselves, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, we can sell ourselves short. That's the word, the word I was looking for. Mm. We really can. And, you know, what I want to say is I want the probably reasons that you're selling yourself short. And, you know, I just want to encourage people to, to to take that step because also the other side of it which is what I've discovered is that if you are better mentally and feeling better mentally and able to manage yourself and your emotions and your life you can also help other people and so then we can start a movement of people helping other people and generally the world just becomes a kinder nicer place Whereas if everybody's stuck in their, in their problems, which, you know, obviously understandably we get stuck. There's nothing wrong in being stuck. But also I believe that, you know, by getting the help you need, you can be part of that movement towards really changing the world, changing how people are, you know, changing support for other, maybe changing somebody else's life. You could do that, which is yeah, what I've absolutely. done. You know, I've been able to change and transform other people's lives. If I'd stayed where I was as a heroin addict, you know, just living in my cottage in Wales, not really able to do anything, um, I, there's, there'd be so many people who would have missed out on my help. Yeah. But, you know, that, and I literally, I, I had to be dragged out of that life. <laughs> so it's, you know, That's really honest though, because I think people might think, well, it's okay for her. She's out the other side, but it's not easy. And that's when I get the guests on, you know, it wasn't like he's going, oh, I'm just going to potter down to London for a year. You know, it was, as you said, I was dragged. My ex-husband has died because he didn't make the positive change. You know, mm. it is a real powerful story, isn't it? And it's not always easy. No, it's definitely not easy. And that's why I believe so much that we need support with that. And it's, it's finding yeah. the people who understand, who are compassionate with you, who, who get you. And, you know, who give you that support that you need. And don't, don't be disheartened if you go for some support and then it falls apart. Maybe funding gets pulled or, you know, somebody kind of turns around and says they can't really help you anymore. Don't get disheartened by that because that happens quite a lot. And it kind of just can, can just reinforce that belief that nobody can help me. But, you know, it, try again because there will be somebody out yeah. there. And just by trying, it's, you're moving forward you know if you're not trying you're not moving forward but just by trying 
And I know that can be tiring as well, but I would encourage people to keep going. You know, don't give up. Yeah. And that's really valid because, you know, we all have bad days. Even mm. author here of Positive Changes, we all have bad days. And maybe someone is just busy or they've got their own little war going on inside. So do keep asking, do keep looking for phone numbers that can help you, local support groups, another friend, another day, but just keep going, isn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's really beautiful advice right from the acupuncturist right up to you know calling for help and being dragged out your cottage you know it's not easy but you've made it what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given the best piece of advice i've been given was was to walk away <laughs> so i yeah. i was um in a in a difficult situation um with in a relationship actually and um in fact, it, it, you know, it was, um, you know, it's difficult to talk about really, but, you know, it was my children's father and um, because we were so enmeshed in our addiction together, um, I, uh, you know, we were quite codependent. I don't know if people know what that means, but we were kind of really locked together in quite an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. And um, he, he became quite poorly at one point he had pneumonia and it was at the end of our relationship and I knew that I needed to change but it was very difficult for me get out for me to get out of the cycle with um with still having some connection with him and um I was at the hospital and I called a very close family member and I said they you know they wanted me to take him home I felt so guilty so bad because he was quite poorly and my family member said to me just walk away just walk out of there and just wow. and it really was the best advice that I've ever been given because I walked away from dysfunction from addiction from you know a life that wasn't serving me and you know I walked into obviously it took a bit of time but taking that massive step at that point um which was really really difficult but you know I, I followed that advice and so I you know, that, that is the best advice that's been given to me is to just walk away. You know, if it's not working for you, walk away and go and find something new. Wow. <laughs> that's really powerful. It's like 31 degrees today, Vanessa, and I've just got goosebumps. So you've done well there. <laughs> but just wow. I mean, totally in love with the person that told you to walk away. It could not be easy. As you say, it's like the father of your children. Mm. It's the life you knew. And mm. you do get enmeshed because you're in this cycle that, you know, you're both having the same existence. So you don't feel quite so bad being an addict if there's another one doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of goes back to what we're saying, that if you want to start making a change today and you phone someone, I guess you've got to watch who you phone. Because if you're phoning a fellow addict or someone else who's, I don't know, whatever they're tolerating, a broken relationship, a job they hate, they're not going to be your tribe cheering you on yeah. to get a better life so sometimes when you start reaching out mm. as you've just said sometimes you have to go beyond your normal circle don't yeah. you yeah yeah to be heard yeah bless you that is powerful stuff <laughs> <laughs> really powerful stuff so i'm sure people are going to love your work i mean i mean there's amazing coaches out there but i'm slightly biased that i think when you've been through what you're treating people for it's a whole new level. Mm. That's my personal opinion. Mm. It's my podcast. So I can say what I like, but, uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, like nursing, like I've did a nursing degree textbook, stuff like that. But when I've nursed my own family, there's another level that comes in. Yeah. So I'm sure people out here are going to want to reach out to you because you've been there, you've done that. And I think you must be amazing to work with. 
So people can reach you. You're at the crystalclearcoaching.org, the website. That's correct. But you're also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Absolutely. Yes. My, my Facebook is Crystal Clear Retreats. And my uh, Instagram is Crystal Clear Coach. And I'm under YouTube as my own name, Vanessa Wallace. But if you go onto my website, crystalclearcoaching.org, there's all the, the links in there as well to, to access anything else that I'm available on. Absolutely fabulous. Bless you. You've been absolutely raw and authentic. I can't thank you enough. I think you're going to help so many people. So thank you, thank you for being you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. And I was so delighted when Dnat put me on to you and and you know and uh, then you contacted me it was just yes i'm really looking forward to this one bless you if you enjoyed today's episode please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review if you would like to create your own positive changes you can buy positive changes a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from shellyfknight.com if you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode come like and follow us over on facebook at shelly f knight life goes on as always i've been shelly f knight and you've been amazing <laughs>